Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today on the show, looking back at this year so far, right? We're 79 games in. What is so different about the Timberwolves, specifically on the offensive end of the floor versus last year? Why has the offense struggled so much? And uh, it's very topical after the last few games, uh, now a three-game losing streak at a critical time in the season for the Wolves. Plus, a look at the standings, the play-in possibilities for the Wolves, and a preview of Wolves-Nets on Tuesday night. It's all coming to the show. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked on Wolves. Today's episode of Locked on Wolves is brought to us by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase of last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Happy Timberwolves game day. It is the only game that the Wolves have Monday through Friday this week. And with every single game, we keep saying this is the biggest game of the season so far. That's where we're at. The Wolves have some work to do over their final three. They really have to win all three. Um, And uh, this is the toughest one of the three, I guess. But then again, eh, you know, what's toughest on paper hasn't always been toughest in practice for the Wolves this year. We'll talk about that here in a minute. First of all, though, big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere. That includes YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. More great local sports coverage 24-7 for free. This show, plus all the other Locked On Minnesota podcasts, download the Locked On Sports Minnesota app today. Again, that's on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Locked On T-Wolves and at my account, which is at Beacon with two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. All right, I do want to talk standings, play, and possibilities. Uh, we'll do that here in a minute. But I want to start with taking like a half step back, looking at the totality of the season, 79 games in, and the Wolves defensively have been essentially the same team as they were last year in terms of results. Certainly they've gone about it in a bit of a different way, trading out, you know, the, 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 uh, I guess, wrecking ball nature of Jared Vanderbilt among others for the more steady, solid interior defense of Rudy Gobert and and the scheme has changed and they've done some different, a lot of different things, but the results are, are by and large the same, right? So currently right now, according to basketball reference, the Wolves are 10th in defensive rating. Last year, they finished 13th in defensive rating. Um, they're turning teams over, not quite the same rate that they were last year. The rebounding has been marginally better, especially of late, but the turnovers, you know, forcing turnovers have been not quite as good. Like, similar results. They still foul a lot just like they did last year. So um, even if even if the actual function or the way that de- the defense does function, I should say, has changed, the results are very similar. The offense, however, is not the same as it was last year. The results have not been the same. Last season, the Timberwolves offense finished eighth in offensive rating league-wide. Um, it featured, obviously, Carl Diddy Towns having a fantastic year, 25-10, and 10. Um, nearly four assists per game. You had Anthony Edwards with to that, you know, a, a massive improvement from his rookie year to his sophomore year in the NBA, uh, scoring 21 a game and shooting 36% for three, Cat shooting 41% for three. You had D'Lo doing his thing. You had Malik Beasley off the bench, who, of course, had a bit of a rocky season. But in general, the totality of the Wolves' offense last year was very successful. 
And, and certainly the second half of the year, much more than the first half of the year, right? I mean, like Torian Pritz is maybe the best example where he was shooting like 20 some percent, basically 20% through December, like the worst shooting year of his career. And then he shot like, I'm exaggerating a little, but like 50% the rest of the season. Jordan McLaughlin had like, was that 30 some straight games without a turnover or, or no, I'm sorry. It was like 30 something assists to one turnover the course of like six weeks, January, February, March. Um, there was so much about the second half of last season that gave us hope for this year. And then of course, all the roster changes out is Malik Beasley. Um, out is Jared Vanderbilt, uh, out is, uh, Patrick Beverly and is, you know, out, out is Josh Kogi, of course, more, more of an impact defensively last year, but, and then, and you bring in, um, you know, guys like Kyle Anderson and you retain Torian Prince and you expect the offense to be every bit as good this year, if not better, once Rudy Gobert finds his footing. Well, of course that never happened. Still hasn't really. Um, at least not with Carl Anthony Towns on the floor at the same time. And now, an offense that was eighth in offensive rating last season, sitting here now, 79 games through the regular season with three to play, is 24th in the league. Last year, the Wolves won 46 games. This year, the best case for the Wolves is 42 wins and very possibly could finish at or below 500 this season. Again, the defense, eighth last year, 10th this year. Or excuse me, 13th last year, 10th this year. The offense, eighth last year, 24th this year. Let's take just a, a slight deeper dive on this at at the overarching numbers. And to be clear, I mean, D'Angelo Russell was a big part of this team early in the season, right? He's no longer on the squad. I get that. So, like, there was some shifting in the middle of the season. D'Lo played in 54 of the 79 games. Conley's now played in 21 games with the Wolves. Uh, of course, the biggest difference is no Carl Anthony Towns for the majority of the season. He's only played in 26 games to this point. And is averaging career lows in in points, in rebounds, um, three point shooting. Like these are numbers that are abnormal for Cat, especially in terms of games played. That's the biggest difference, and I get that. But that's not what I'm evaluating. I'm evaluating where the Timberwolves are right now, regardless of who's on the floor. Like if we look up and say, "Oh man, the Wolves are a game below 500. They're back in ninth in the West," and, and there's actually a relatively small, but a chance that a relatively small chance, but still a chance that they missed the playoffs and the play-in entirely this season. So why is that? Well, last season, the Timberwolves were third in three-point rate in the entire NBA. They were actually first in attempts per game, but because they played at such a high pace, they were third in three-point rate. Where are they this season? They're 14th, and they were much lower early in the season. That has picked up as the season's gone on. They're 14th in three-point rate, so middle of the pack. This is a team, and granted, there's you know not you're not looking at one through 12 guys that can knock down threes consistently, but you're still talking, you know, when cats on the floor, one of the best shooters in the league, D'Lo is 39% in a Wolves uniform. Jane McDaniels is still 39%. Mike Conley in a Wolves uniform is 41%. So your starting point guard all season has been about 40% from three. Anthony Edwards shoots high volume threes. Why isn't the overall three point rate higher? And that's an issue. Now, the percentage is 16th in the league, 36%. You can handle that. The volume needs to be higher. That's number one. Number two, turnover rate. And actually, this is out of order. And I don't mean number one in terms of the most important. The second one that I'm going to mention is actually the biggest issue. And that's turnover rate. They are 28th right now going into Tuesday night's game against Brooklyn in turnover rate this season. Last season, this Timberwolves team was 14th in turnover rate. The turnover rate currently is 13.7%. That means almost 14% of the time that the Wolves have a possession, 
they're turning they're turning it over. Last year that number was twelve point four percent. It may not sound like a huge difference, but that's a couple of possessions a game. That a couple, or I should say, a couple additional turnovers per game. Um, if you want to look at turnovers per game, we could do it that way too. I, I think rate is a better way to look at it. But the Wolves last year were twenty first at turnovers per game, fourteen point three turnovers per game. This season turnovers per game. 15.5 turnovers per game. That's 28th in the league. So a, a turnover and a half more per game. And when you're shooting less threes and you're turning it over, call it one and a half times more per game. Those things add up to a a very a very bad turn for your offense. You shoot less threes, you turn it over more. Number three, the offensive rebound rate. The Timberwolves last year, believe it or not, were actually seventh at offensive rebound rate. I've talked a lot about how bad they are as a defensive rebounding team, and they have been for years. That's continued this year. They were bad last year on the defensive glass, although here the last few weeks they've improved a little, but maybe not so coincidentally after acquiring Mike Conley. The, the attitude, the mentality on the defensive glass has changed for the better for the Wolves. But offensive rebounding-wise, this year the Wolves are 27th in offensive rebound rate. Last season, they were seventh in offensive rebound rate. Seventh. That's easy to forget. That's not one of those things that that uh, we talk about a whole lot. But you lose Jared Vanderbilt. Jared Vanderbilt had a 12% offensive rebound rate last season. Carlton Towns was over 8%. Nobody else in the top seven last season is on the team in playing rotation minutes in terms of offensive rebound rate. You had Nate Knight, who doesn't play. Uh, Vando, who's gone. Nas Reed, who I guess 8.8%, he's now hurt and did more defensive glass-wise this year than offensively. Greg Monroe barely played last year. Leandro Balmaro didn't play much, not on the team. Josh Kogi not on the team. That was your top seven in offensive rebounding rate last year. And again, Vando at 12%, Nas and Cat each over 8%. This season, in terms of individual offensive rebound rates, the Timberwolves are led by... Here, I lost my number here. Where'd it go? Individual offensive rebound rate, the Timberwolves this year are led by Rudy Gobert, 12.4%. So the same neighborhood as Vando, actually slightly higher. Nobody else that plays rotation minutes is over 8%. Garza is 15%, but he's only played in 27 games. Nate Knight has played in 36 games, 8.4%. Nas Reed is down at 6.7%, so almost two points lower than last year, and he's hurt now. Katz at 6% hasn't played much. McDaniel's actually the same rate he was last year, 4.4%. But you haven't, I mean, the, the Vando production is replaced by Rudy Gobert, but nobody else is is in that same, I guess, tier of offensive rebounding. So your team offensive rebound rate plummets from 7th in the league to 27th in the league. And then the last thing, which is the least extreme here, but last year the Wolves were 10th in free throw rate and actually much higher for much of the season, but they settled at 10th in free throw rate last season. This year they're 13th. So they're also getting to the line less often. And uh, another that's another one that's impacted a lot by Carlton Towns. So certainly, no cat impacts your three-point rate. It impacts your offensive rebound rate. It impacts your free throw rate. So those you can draw a direct line to Carlton Towns' impact and him not being on the floor, that mattering. Which, by the way, is another thing. If anybody, you know, to build a quick straw man here, if anybody out there is blaming Cat for any of this, and certainly he wasn't good. He attempted three shots in Sunday's matinee loss to Portland. Um but Cat buoys all those categories, right? You need Cat to improve your three-point rate, your offensive rate, your free throw rate. The turnover rate thing is 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 um, inexcusable, mostly inexplicable. It's just pure sloppiness, and it's across the board. Like, we've even seen Jordan McLaughlin lately struggle with turnovers. We've seen a lot of issues, even from Kyle Anderson, Torian Prince, Vets. Torian Prince had some bad ones this year. Um, 
D'Lo earlier this season, Cat when he's been on the floor, Gobert with the offensive fouls. Um, the turnovers are the biggest thing, number one. And then the Cat absence kind of feeds into the three-point rate, the offensive rebound rate, and the free throw rate. Those are the biggest issues this year. And that is how you have a top 10 offense, eighth in the league last season, plummet all the way to number 24 through 79 games this season. Okay, I do want to take a peek at the standings, kind of a snapshot, the play-in scenarios. ESPN had a nice article that kind of broke down the, the most likely scenarios. So I want to touch on that before we get to the Wolves-Nets preview. So we're going to do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our new friends over at Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. I certainly have experienced, we'll call it um, stress related to uh, procrastination. If I want to go to an event, concert, uh, stand-up comedy or, you know, uh, a sporting event. A lot of times I kind of wait and wait and wait until I maybe shouldn't wait anymore. I'm looking at the, at the venue site. I'm looking at their, their ticketing partner, third-party sites, looking for tickets. And, um, I often fail because I've waited too long, but again, buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. The game time app has flash deals and last minute tickets, easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event. They have images of seat views, lowest price guarantees, et cetera. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. It's perfect for people like me that procrastinate when buying tickets. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. You can get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can buy your tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. The tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Snag your tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, so there's plenty of play-in possibilities still and playoff scenarios in the Western Conference coming into play on Tuesday. Or actually, this is coming into play. I'm recording this before games on Monday, uh, but actually I say that there aren't any games scheduled for Monday. So coming into play on Tuesday, the Timberwolves are ninth in the West. They're a game up on Oklahoma City for 10th. They're a game and a half behind the Pelicans for eighth and also the Lakers who are in seventh. The Wolves do have the tiebreaker over the Lakers. So getting to seventh is feasible. If the Lakers stumble, they've actually, Lakers still have four games left. The Wolves only have three. So say the Lakers go two and two and the Wolves win out. The Wolves would get past the Lakers in the Western Conference because they do have that tiebreaker. That's feasible, right? The Wolves could do that. I mean, looking at the Lakers schedule, it's favorable. They're at Utah, who technically still has a chance. Then they're at the Clippers, who I, well, it's not favorable, actually. I'm misremembering. <laughs> they have two games against Utah, although the last game, Utah may not care anymore. They're at the Clippers and they're home for Phoenix, both of whom have some incentive to play well. I mean, the, the Suns are trying to hang on to the four spot. The Clippers are trying to hang on to the five spot and potentially get to four. Um, so it's actually a tough close for the Lakers. Them going two and two is not crazy, even though they've been playing a lot better of late. But if they go two and two and the Wolves went out, you're looking at potentially the seven spot for the Wolves. In that scenario, Minnesota would also jump the Pelicans, who are a game and a half ahead of them, but they'd win the tiebreaker and beat the Pelicans head to head on Sunday. If the Wolves went out, the Lakers go two and two. That's a scenario where the Wolves could get to seven. And depending on how Golden State and the Clippers fare, there's a chance they could get up to six, likely not five, but it's possible, right? Like winning out, Five, six, seven are all still on the table for Minnesota. Anything short of that, and you're looking at a very likely eight, nine, 10 scenario, and probably nine or 10. 
even if the Wolves go one and two the rest of the way. So ESPN has this article uh, about playoff scenarios. Let's see here. Here we go. The play-in race making sense of the final week, the seeding push. So the most likely play-in scenario is still just shy of 10%. It's like 8.5% are the odds, according to the ESPN Basketball Power Index projections. The most likely scenario is Minnesota landing ninth and the Thunder staying in 10th. The Pelicans and Lakers finishing in seven and eight, which is of course where everybody is right now. So perhaps that's why it's the most likely scenario. Um, but I mean, like the Wolves would at least host the game, but you have to beat the Thunder at home and then you have to go on the road to play the loser of the Lakers Pelicans game, right? So if the Wolves beat the Thunder at home, then you go on the road to play the loser of Lakers Pelicans. That would not be fun. Uh, that, but that, that at this moment is the most likely scenario. I will also say ESPN has the Wolves with the highest odds to be in the play-in, which is both good and bad. It's good in, in that they have a very slim chance of falling out, according to ESPN's BPI, but also a slim chance of climbing up out of the play-in. The Wolves, for context, they have a 96.6% chance of finishing between 7th and 10th. Nobody else is higher than 68%. The Pelicans have a 68.5% chance OKC is 61%. The Lakers are 51% to be in the play-in. The Clippers and Warriors are each under 50% because they're likely to stay up at five or six. Dallas only has a 36.6% chance of climbing back up into the play-in. They've been a disaster lately. Utah is down at 3.1%. So the Wolves are very likely to finish between seven and 10. According to ESPN, almost 97% likely. Um, So the most likely scenario is Wolves-Thunder. There's also a a 3% chance of a Wolves-Mavs matchup, which would be interesting, to say the least, and actually not a bad matchup for Minnesota. And of course, now if the Mavs make the playoffs, it means they've turned something around over the past over the last week of the season. Uh, but it's still not a bad matchup for Minnesota. We've covered why here on the show. But in short, the, uh, the, the Wolves can guard isolation offense really well with Anthony Edwards, Jade McDaniels, Torian Prince, Kyle Anderson, etc. The... Mavericks do not have good perimeter defense and Ant can just score all day long against the Mavs. So I would welcome that matchup. A less than 1% chance has the Wolves taking on the Jazz in the play-in, which would be, of course, the storyline there is Rudy versus Utah and Utah backing their way into the playoffs despite, you know, really kind of trying not to. There's also a scenario, which this is fascinating, a potential six-way logjam scenario. They have this at 0.000009%. So the ultimate long shot, according to ESPN. But it's possible for the Clippers, Warriors, Lakers, Pelicans, Timberwolves, and Thunder to all finish 41 and 41. So the Wolves would have to go two and one the rest of the way. Um, And then the tiebreakers come down to uh, winning percentage among the tied teams, division leader wins, division win percentage, conference win percentage, win percentage against conference teams eligible for the playoffs, and then point differential. Point differential, the Wolves are not in a good place there. Uh, The Wolves actually have the worst point differential of any team currently in the playoff race. In fact, still worse than Dallas. Um, So that would not be good for the Wolves. However, in this scenario, if the Wolves beat the Pelicans on Sunday and finish at 41-41, and they would be 11-6 and against the other five teams and secure the number five seat. So this is actually a scenario you could root for as a Wolves fan is a five-way tie based on their 11 and 6 record and this goes exactly along with what we've talked all season the Wolves play to their competition. The Wolves have a good record against everybody. That's good. 
<laughs> they have a bad record against many bad teams. The Wolves have basically played everybody to I think the I think the Blazers are the only team the Wolves are going to have are going to either not draw or win the head-to-head matchup against in the Western Conference, which is absolutely bonkers. Because if you look at the full standings, what are the Wolves? Uh one and one against the Pistons, 0 and 2 against the Hornets, I think 0 and 2 against the Pacers, 1 and 1 against the Magic, like the Wolves struggled with the end of the the bottom of the Eastern Conference. And they struggled a little with the bottom of the Western Conference, but they've won basically all the tiebreakers. Their conference record currently is 27 and 23. It's better than the Lakers. It's it's uh better than the Clippers conference record. It's equal with the Mavs or with a, a half game of the Warriors. It's better than the same as the Mavs, better than the Thunder. Um, but anyway, this tiebreaker in a five-way tie would be the record against the other five teams, win percentage and games played among the tied teams, and the Wolves. At 11 and six, if they beat New Orleans, would get the five seed in this scenario, which is just incredible. Um, there are so many scenarios on the table here, but again, the most likely scenario is the Wolves are a nine or ten. I'm sitting here right now. I think the the, the very most likely scenario is they stay in ninth. They do have the tiebreaker over Oklahoma City if they finish tied, so they would get the nine and, and host that game against OKC. Uh, but there's still an outside shot at five, six, seven, or eight. And there's still an out, a slightly further outside shot if the Wolves lose out and the Mavs get hot that the Wolves could miss altogether. Um, so, needless to say, Tuesday night in Brooklyn is an important game, which is a perfect segue to previewing the Wolves-Nets game on Tuesday night. We're going to do that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at BetterHelp. The show is sponsored by better help. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk through things. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Um, in general, therapy, I like just talking to somebody about whatever is going on in your life can be so helpful. Um, even if you don't think so, or you're worried about the stigma attached to it, don't be, it can be extremely, extremely helpful and, and really frankly be life-changing. That's not an exaggeration. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash NBA today to get one excuse me, to get 10% off your first month, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash NBA. All right, Wolves-Nets on Tuesday night, and both teams have something to play for. The Nets are alone in sixth in the Eastern Conference, and actually a win would basically cement their spot there. There are two games up on Miami. They're a game and a half back of the Knicks who have clinched a playoff spot. It's pretty unlikely they're going to catch, excuse me, two and a half back of the Knicks. They're not going to catch New York for number five. So if the Nets by winning virtually lock themselves into six, I believe. And so it's important for them. It's more important for Minnesota because the Wolves have lost three straight. Everything we just talked about, they're only a game up on OKC. They're a game and a half behind the Pels for eighth. This is super, super important. And the Wolves and Nets just faced each other less than a month ago. It was about three weeks ago. And uh, in that game, remember, this one went to overtime. It was a game the Wolves should have won. They led late. They had a big uh, the Wolves actually led at halftime by eight and then gave it all back and then some in the third quarter. Had a big fourth quarter, surged ahead late, but instead it went to overtime and the Wolves ended up losing by a single point to the Nets. And remember, this is still this was after the trade deadlines. This is after the All-Star break. 
the new look Nets team, Mikel Bridges had 34 points on 24 shots in this one. Spencer Dinwiddie with 29 and 11, they got 12 off the bench from Royce O'Neal and 15 rebounds from O'Neal. Um, the Wolves got a solid game from Anthony Edwards, a good Rudy Gobert game, 26 and 13, and another all around impressive game from Kyle Anderson, 15, 11 and seven, 10 off the bench from Nikhil Alexander Walker, although he didn't shoot it that well. And, uh, this was just kind of a uh, like the Wolves did a, a good job generally themselves offensively, especially getting to the line. This was kind of in the middle of that stretch when the Wolves got to the line a bunch, but just did not make their free throws. The Wolves got there 29 times in this game, but shot only 62 percent. They also were only 30 percent outside the arc. But because they played at such a fast pace, they did well in transition. The Brooklyn, though, shot 47 percent on threes in this game and for the season. Now, again, the Nets underwent such big roster changes midseason. But for the season, the Nets are fifth in three-point percentage. They're 11th in three-point rate. They're fifth in percentage. They shoot a bunch of threes. And yes, Kevin Durant uh, is is mixed in there and Kyrie's mixed in there. I get that. But each of those guys was only about 37.5% from three anyway in a Nets uniform. And as a team, this team is shooting 38%. Like they've gotten a lot from, you know, like, Bridges, since he's been in Nets uniform, is just a shade under 42%. Joe Harris, of course, 42% on the season. Seth Curry, 40%. Like this team throughout the season has featured a bunch of guys who could shoot the basketball. And that was a problem against the Wolves last time around. That's something to keep an eye on in this game. The Wolves and Nets were within a rebound of each other. I think the Nets were a plus once. The Wolves were a minus one on the glass last time they faced each other. The Nets aren't a good rebounding team, though. So there was really no excuse for the Wolves to have that bet. To let Royce O'Neal get 15 rebounds is just insane. The Nets are one of the few worst rebounding teams in the Wolves. Brooklyn's 29th in offensive rebound and, and 28th in defensive rebounding. The Wolves, again, are 27th in offensive and 26th in defensive. So you're talking to two of the very worst rebounding teams on both ends of the floor in the entire league, but the Wolves are better than the Nets. And again, the Wolves have actually rebounded the ball fairly well of late. So that's going to be really important in this one, too. You need a Carlton Towns bounce back. And frankly, he should have success against this Nets front line. I mean, like Nick Claxton, he's a good defender, fine. But there's really no reason that the Wolves should not have success in the paint between Gobert and um, um, and Towns. Like that, that to me is an area the Wolves should have a massive, a massive advantage. Walker Kessler, though, against them just the other night, struggled. Like Kessler, who's you know tried to make a late surge for Rookie of the Year, he only played 22 minutes against the Nets, had six and eight the other night. Um, but again, like. Claxton, um, uh, Daron Sharp, like like their rotational bigs. Rose O'Neal's a good player, but again, 15 rebounds last time against the Wolves. Dorian Finney-Smith is a good defender, but like you, he shouldn't be beating you up on the glass or or stopping you in the paint. Gobert and Towns have to have big games, and especially without Nas Reed, especially without Nas Reed. I don't think you can really play Luka Garza. Like the Nets are going to play fast enough. You don't really want to deal with with uh, with Garza. Um, playing in this game. I don't think Nate Knight's probably going to play much. I think you just need Cat and Rudy to stay out of foul trouble and play well, which frankly may be too much to ask for what we've seen lately, but that's going to be really important. Also, to some level, locking up Mikel Bridges, who's been on a tear lately for the Nets, that's going to be really key in this game. And, and not even just, I don't know that you could expect to lock him up, but at least make his life difficult. At least key in on him the way that teams key in on Anthony Edwards. Because I wouldn't be super worried about much of the rest of this team offensively. Like Bridges is the guy you got to look out for. Spencer Dinwiddie, you put Mike Conley on him, you do your best. He's going to get, you know, probably like a 12 and nine double-double or that's not a double-double, a 12 and nine or a 14 and 10 double-double or something like that. But 
you got to slow down bridges as best you can. Make somebody else beat you if you're the Wolves. I think that's really, really important in this game. So for me, it's win the uh, points of the paint battle, win the rebounding battle, make bridges life difficult, and then obviously taking care of the basketball. Like, that's been such a big issue for Minnesota. We talked all about it in the first segment here today. They're 28th in the league in turnover percentage. The Nets don't really turn teams over. They're 20th in defensive turnover rate. So they only turn teams over at a 12% rate. The Wolves are turning it over themselves at about a 14% rate this season. Um, Minnesota has to avoid those sloppy turnovers. If they can do that, if they can battle in the paint, it's a very winnable game. Granted, on the road, and uh, you know, first game of this weird you know road trip with three days off in between, they have to win this game. You cannot fall too below 500 going into the weekend, or else things are going to get real ugly in a hurry. This would be a fourth consecutive loss. And for the Nets' part, um, the Nets have just been winning. Like they've been really streaky. But they've now won three consecutive and four out of five. Before that, they'd lost five straight. They've beaten the Jazz. They've beaten the Hawks. They've beaten the Rockets. So not exactly a murderer's row of opponents. Um, they beat the Heat by 29 a couple games before that. Uh, but they're still fighting to clinch this playoff berth. This is not going to be an easy game for Minnesota. And it's, it is, it's hard to find a more important game, quite frankly. All right, we will have the live postcast. We didn't have one over the weekend, but we'll do Wolves-Nets postcast after the game. It's a 6.30 Central tip. So, uh, you know, ballpark unit will probably go live at about 9.45-ish or so Central time. Marnie Gellner from Valley Sports North and myself over at the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. So be sure to subscribe to be notified when we go live. And then we'll also do the postgame pod that'll post early on Wednesday. So be sure to follow and subscribe to this show. A big thank you for those that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Now make your second listen to Game to Game NBA podcast every moment, every top performance, and every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.